Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kids and Tell, a whole new life revolving around secure puppetry. <laughs> Every week we entertain you with segments like Cabbage Heads Again, and it's a fact. Stu wants to travel in time and murder a child. <laughs> I'm joined today by Kalina McCordoff in London, England. How do you do? Han Seideman in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hello. I can't get over that awesome intro of Stu wanting to travel in time to murder a child. That's so perfect. Well done, Trevor. And Stu himself in Vancouver, Canada. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> This week we'll be reviewing episode 18 of season 2. It originally aired on April 16th, 1991. Let's kick it off with our sketch rundown. We've got Plot to Kill Cabbage Head. Uh, so the returning eco-feminist uh, activist warriors Shona Axel and Ozone decide that Cabbage Head must die. I love those names. Uh, the Chain Letter, in which businessmen discuss a disturbing piece of mail <laughs> which could bring them great fortune or ruin them. Uh... Plungers, in which uh, Bobby's father recounts the tale of a glorious plunger salesman. <laughs> Cabbage Head is murdered, uh, <laughs> where Shona Axel and Ozone kill Cabbage Head. Hooray! It's a three-parter. So. <laughs> it's a fact girl, bragging aliens, uh, one that I'm sure Stu has something to say about. <laughs> uh, grocery store lineup, uh, in which Kevin freaks out in a grocery store lineup, and then Mark's Melanie character falls in love with the impatient Kevin for some reason. Spoonhead party, uh, Weston, Weston Esther Hazy uh, goes to a party and gets microdosed with LSD or something. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> and Cabbage Head is born again, where Cabbage Head talks about his religious conversion. Uh, segment one I would like to uh, start us off with is a new segment I call They Can't Veto Everything I Come Up With, <laughs> in which we talk about the segments... Yeah. Aww, <laughs> we talk about the sketches that clearly no one else in the crew other than one person had a hand in, and I'd like to start us off with uh, Scott Thompson's Western Esterhazy Magnumosis Eliza's Party. Uh, clearly no one else in Kids in the Hall had any hand in this at all. One imagines that this was a sketch that Scott had to fight for, but unlike most Weston sketches, I actually really like it just because it's so weird. It's just a good example uh, of someone getting their way and putting bullshit on TV. Uh, does But does stuff like this make the TV show better or worse? Uh, Stu, what do you have to say about this? Uh, we give so much prop to Bruce's bullshit, like 30 Second Stories and Bobby's stuff. They always strike me as personal projects and we love them. Uh, sometimes it's an excuse for Scott Thompson to smoke a joint on TV, so I think we have to give it the okay. I probably should not be the mouthpiece for this because I tend to have more esoteric tastes than the rest of you, but I love them. Like, I think that this show is about mm -hmm. getting weird, and if they get to be maximally weird, that's how we get standouts. And, like, they totally. don't, they're not always the best, but they're usually, they really contribute to the off-the-wall flavor of the show. Mm -hmm. Like... The new style was definitely a Scott Thompson <laughs> bit and was, like, certainly a departure. I thought it would I be feel like Mark. that was a, a team effort. Probably, uh, was probably, that's, not, that's not a great yeah. example, but it's definitely one of the like, more out-there ones. Yeah. 
No, you are right that Bruce does a lot of stuff where it's like, I just want to do my thing. Yeah. Everyone must let me... Uh, Mark does it a lot, too. I, I, we'll, we're going to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kevin does, but we always hate it when Kevin... Oh, poor I don't. Kevin. Guys, remember the bass player? Seriously. Oh, yeah, you, you are the bass player, apologies. I don't think bass player was really a Kevin-driven sketch, though. The bass player was clearly a team effort, Kevin, though. Kevin-driven sketches are like Daddy drank, and well, they're, it, apparently they're his therapy. Well, apparently there is a podcast not promoting it because everyone should be listening to ours <laughs> but uh where apparently kevin has uh explained where the bass player comes from so mm. perhaps one of us could um go do a bit of research and come back on that but homework um, i don't want to do i don't want to do homework okay but i mean as for your question sorry Stu, are you done i'm done okay yeah <laughs> i mean i yeah i think it's important for everyone to have their chance at doing their own little pet project um because you just have to see whether the shit sticks you're right like this is a show for a bunch of weirdos um and i'd probably bring things up like the scott variety show (laughs) or (laughs) mark's farmer with a tail or lopez lopez Um, so i'm really not on board with this from weston necessarily like Hmm. the content of the sketch specifically i think one of the things that keeps getting said about them, whether that's like in biographies or we keep bringing it up or other people smash us down on is like, oh, like they didn't do parodies. And this one, I can see why Mm. this wouldn't work because it just ages them significantly. It's not like you don't watch the show and think, oh, this was done in the early 90s. But I mean, kind of the humor is relatively timeless unless we're doing a does this still hold up uh, segment <laughs> yeah. um but i mean like i yeah liza minnelli i honestly i know we're a bunch of millennials but i've only seriously watched her on arrested development like there's nothing about this <laughs> that really speaks like hot hollywood celebs <laughs> like i don't know i, I, liza I minnelli was old when this was made oh i had a question for you guys because he makes the introduction where he's like the ever lovely and ever incontinent Liza Minnelli. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, is know. that a reference to something or is he just being crass? I think he was just talking about how old she was back then even, I think. Because she was, she was getting on by then. You know, uh, yeah, she would have... Well, this was, this is like 30 years ago. She would have been in her like 40s at the time. No, so. no, no. She... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, either way, um, Kalina, I do take your point that, you know, not referencing, you know, current day celebrities or whatever else is part of what makes the show timeless and and makes most of the sketches hold up 30 years after the fact. That being said, I absolutely love this sketch (laughs) and I will fight to the death anyone who dares challenge its right to exist. Uh, when it first got started, I was annoyed to have to see Weston again because I did not care at all for his other bits. But as soon as it gets into that home movie, uh, it I was a hundred percent with it. The fake voices are awesome and like just close enough to be to know who they are if you do know who they are, and mm. but far off enough to be like it's obviously a bad impersonation. Uh, the the weird home movie quality gives it this awesome character, and the writing is just such a perfect simulacrum for the way kids write movies that they make with their friends in their basements. Uh, and then we get to witness what Weston imagines an acid trip would be 
like, and it becomes absolutely transcendent. I, I my notes during that acid trip were just saying, I hate it, I love it, I hate it, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it and it is pieces like that that are ex- like like you said, Stu, that it's exactly why the kids should be allowed to go on a limb from time to time because you know, yeah, generally I'm gonna hate Weston Esterhazy, but then occasionally I get to see what he thinks acid looks like, and it all becomes worth it, and I want <laughs> nothing but that from now on. <laughs> more spoonheads, <laughs> more spoon, more spoonheads, and like people throwing up out of bottles. <laughs> And like weird chunky <laughs> oh. things coming out of the spoon. Yeah, you know, it was just so uh, everything about it was weird. And like when Prince, when Michael's like, "Oh, look who's here!" and then Prince shows up, and it's just <laughs> like, "Hey guys!" <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so dumb and awesome. I love it. I'm glad there's only one of them, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I will. Um, I will say, as much as I enjoyed it, it did reek a little bit of art kid. Oh, totally. Oh, well, like, that's what Scott is. Though. It's yeah. pretentious and full of itself, and only Scott could do it because he's the only one pretentious and full of himself enough to do it, but, like, it still works. I but, I will always say it works. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Bruce is a pretentious artist. <laughs> True. <laughs> Different type. But he's a lowbrow. Like, yeah, okay. He tries to pretend he's, like, David Lynch or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a follow-up to this, though, uh, maybe segment 1.5 is... Uh, We've mentioned Mark does this a lot, and whenever Mark does his own, like, thing, it's really just, like, a two-minute-long monologue with one of his characters, mm. and he does one of them in this one, and usually I, I hate them. Um, and this is one with, a, like, the, a character that's done it before, uh, Bobby's dad, uh, and I didn't like it the first time where he was just talking about buying trucks. But this one was about a guy selling him plungers, and for some reason, I thought it was fucking hilarious. What did you guys think about the plunger sketch? I'm totally with you, Trevor. I mm-hmm. also don't normally care for a guy who owns a trucking company character for Mark, um, <laughs> but this one totally won me over. And I think it's because of the other ones. The whole point of the sketch is just that the character is an asshole, and that's, yeah. that's just supposed to be funny on its own merit. This one kind of gives the character a, a bit more depth, which I think is funny. Um, it has this kind of Hank Hill quality about it, where... <laughs> There's humor in watching this person go through a weird, very foreign thought process um, that's, like, born out of this weird conservatism. But it's, like, at least in this case, it's kind of harmless. And, and that is what allows it to be funny. When it's not harmless, when it's an asshole kind of point of view, it's just, like, uh, you're just an asshole. Um, I mean, at the, at the end of the guy, that like they, they're just lampooning this guy who yeah. sort of buys eight plungers out of her respect for capitalism true (laughs) and speak and speaking of which i mean i did there's an awesome line in this one which i thought was wonderful which was uh if a guy you know where he's talking about how the guy managed to sell him on the second or third plunger at least and he goes if a guy was living his life right he'd be going through plungers like toothpicks (laughs) (laughs) i love the idea like a guy who's living his life right is living so hard he's just going through (laughs) it's like it's like does that mean like you're just taking massive awful dumps like in a regular like is that what he's getting at there because like know you're living man because like that's how you're living life I could, I, off scorchers. I, I could buy three plunders from that guy. I get it. I see it. You know? <laughs> you know, there, there's even a great shout out where they, they mentioned that the, maybe a plunger would repair the relationship. <laughs> yes. His son is like, Bobby! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, He's wow. hoping that he'll get closer to Bobby through plungers. By giving him a plunger. <laughs> For his crappy basement apartment. Hey, I oh guess, my God. yeah. We no, found I... out that Bob, Bob did move out after the ham fight. Hell yeah. He now has a crappy apartment. Mm. Wait, when did we find that out? Because he says, for my son's shitty basement apartment. Oh, Oh, I see. Interesting. 
the continuum. I had I had a kid that moved out into my friend's basement while we were in high school. It was it was weird. A kid, yeah, <laughs> like that's a, a child. Yeah, I've like like, like kid kid left home yeah. and went to another kid's house where they set up like a little basement suite yeah. for him to live in. Yeah, well, that happens. You know, now that we're a little bit older, like I can totally understand being a parent where something like that happens. It's like, ah, oh, this kid's a little rough, and I'm not super happy about them staying in my basement, but. Definitely their home life is bad, so this is something I should allow. Yeah, well, we're basically. getting dark, so let's get back to plungers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was hilarious. I really like, Hans, how you were bringing up, like, the king of the hill uh, yeah. thought process. Like, that is totally this kind of character. And it's just, to me, this also read like a real manly man trying to justify why the hell he's come home with eight plungers. Like, ultimately, he got swindled. <laughs> yes. But he's oh, just yeah. trying to be amazed at the salesman's skills. Like, you got scammed, man, and now you're <laughs> stuck with a pile of plungers. Like, <laughs> capitalism means you're both in awe of your goods and regretful that you got them. So I thought that was quite clever. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. I'm with you on this one, Kalina. Like, the conceit of the soliloquy is good, but I don't really care for when we do stage plays in a TV show, because, like, it's, mm -hmm. again, it's not SNL. And, like, I don't get the character. You kind of said, like, yeah, he's an asshole, but he's not particularly interesting asshole. He's just, like, a slightly brusque man. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not, like, over-the-top stupid or one character trait or another. He's just, like, well, a he is guy very in a full vest. of himself. He, he is. is super okay. full of himself. And yeah. I did want to get onto that, that, like, I like the comment on capitalism, especially about how he's playing the, like, sophisticated sucker. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, I know it's a scam, and I, like, you know, it wasn't a good joke to open up with. I know, it's not a good joke. But I gotta reward the kid's moxie. Because, like, my understanding is... A lot of scams operate by being ostensibly obvious or stupid, and then people don't feel like they're getting taken for a ride. They feel they're like, well, and then, you know, I just, like, I felt kind of bad for them, but they were so charming. I was like, I'll just throw you a little bit of money. Time's hard. But it's like, <laughs> that's how they make most of the sales, <laughs> is that people are like, oh, well, I wouldn't fall for it, but I'll, like, indulge you or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and as a side... And as a side note, this character suffers from gross mouth syndrome, so it, loose, it <laughs> lost some serious points for me. Oh, I mean, you're, you're just talking about Mark and not the character. No, he made, but... so he made some gross mouths. Yeah. He, he does, he has a teethy mouth kind of thing. He does. <laughs> yeah. like the show are you extremely online <laughs> well then follow us on social media you can find us on twitter where we're at kith and tell pod or on facebook at facebook.com slash kith and tell it's basically a gift parade of all the best moments from each episode you can also email us at contact at kith and and tell us what you think of the show we'd love to hear from you and you might get your email read on the show Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on, I'd like to go to our third section, or second section, um, which I like to call, Is This the Vile Hand of Lauren Michaels? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one thing I couldn't help but notice in this episode, and I know that this is a trend that's going to get worse in the coming seasons, is every single sketch, with the exception of the chain letter sketch, features at least one recurring character. Um, and I can't help, like, this is one of the more Saturday Night Live kind of 
kids in the hall episodes as a result i like that it gets more and more like this as it goes on and i i just want to like ask do you think that this is like the kids get lazy and don't try to come up with new stuff or is it more sinister like say some sort of behind-the-scenes puppet master giving them bad <laughs> advice on how comedy works. Way to lean on the scales there, Trevor. <laughs> Trevor, I have some bad news for you. The what? chain letter sketch also has a recurring character, because I'm pretty sure Dave Foley's boss is the same one from Who Did This? <laughs> no. uh, who's to blame? Who's to blame? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I th- it's, a, it's the suit's overly big, and he has this, I think he has the same bald cap. Does he have the same bald I, cap? Yeah. yeah. I think the character needs a name. You know, like, some of them, like... Melanie happens in the one where Kevin freaks out at the grocery store, yes. but she's not yeah. really the central part of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she barely is a named character. I think it's Although the fan cam Kev- Kevin is a recurring character in that sketch, and that recurring character just happens to be Mr. Bean from a different yep. show. But yep. well, we're not there yet, guys. Let's not preview. <laughs> uh, oh, also, did you guys catch that the impotence joke that they made in the chain letter sketch where he's like something horrible came up and they all clapped and he's like no no I haven't oh, gotten yeah. my impotence <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. I just love the idea of someone referring to their recurring erections as something horrible coming <laughs> up you know the last couple of episodes they've had a lot of dick jokes they really they? have yeah. They, yeah. oh and they refer to it as tubes tubes yeah shortest tubes shortest tubes okay so one speaking thing speaking of this actual sketch though kind of tangential to that question is I love I hate to love how I love to hate how responsive the audience is to established characters. Mm. Like, the audience loses their fucking mind when Head Crusher shows up. Yeah. And But there was even wild cheering for Melanie. Like, you see yeah. Mark and Teenage Dragon, people are like, oh, and that's not a great yeah. character by any means. No, I know. The character's just like, when Mark does drag, is the braces girl. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it feels, it. It feels so lame to, to hear people no. be like, I know this one. I get the joke, but also like it makes me smile still to hear people be like, "Yeah." yeah. Um, okay, R- I don't disagree regarding <laughs> the Lauren Michaels thing. I know that he has a hand in a lot of stuff, and that he is quite condescending about comedy. Just from what we've read about, it. he'll be like, "Yeah, that's not a good. You shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way." But I would disagree that it feels like SNL because Kids in the Hall has such a particular format. Like, it's not a live show. It's a sketch show, but it doesn't have that like stagey element that a lot of SNL does. It doesn't ever feel live. And they have that weird, weird, surreal vibe that we talked about. And even if Lauren might tighten it up or poke things behind the scenes, I feel like they're just, their chaotic weirdness is too much to really be constrained. Mm. You know, it's the same deep cut hipster flavor we love. Like if SNL is Budweiser, Kith and Tell is Elysian Brewing, which by the way is owned by Budweiser. <laughs> oh. <laughs> true, true. Like, you have better taste. You're still contributing to a horrible, horrible odor. <laughs> but, like, you have better taste. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I don't know. Like, the other thing, too, though, is I, I partly, gently, uh, res- <laughs> I won't say reject, but maybe resist the premise of this, uh, this segment in the sense that, like, I don't think it's really quite as bad as you make it out to be. All the recurring characters, for the most part, are sort of B-level characters, like the trucker guy in Weston and Mark's, like, schoolgirl. The, on- the only main 
character who's a recurring character is like Cabbage Head, um, which I mean that's obviously a Lauren creation. But if if it weren't for the Cabbage uh, and the Eco Warriors, the, the Eco Warriors, yeah, but they they were only on Ozone. they've only been Bobby's in, father is a recurring character. Yeah, no, but sure. again, B level B level character for all of them. If and the what's an um, A level character? Well, Head like Crusher. the A level recurring characters would be like Head Crusher, Cabbage Head, uh, maybe even the cops. Uh, oh, but like Buddy, Buddy, Buddy would like. Buddy would be the would be the the main Scott recurring character, or that's the Queen, good, no, that's or, a good you know, point. like you yeah. know what I mean. So and and Bobby would be a Bob, a Bud or like a Bruce one, right? So, anyways, these are all more minor characters, with the exception of Cabbage Head. And then the other thing is, so if you take Cabbage Head out of this episode, which the the trip ditch of Cabbage Head was kind of shitty. If you take that out, then I don't think any of us are complaining about this like leaning on on recurring characters because all of those sketches would be fine, right? Mm. Um, now, that being said, uh, maybe we'll be lucky and this will be the end of him because he's dead and stuff, right? I doubt it. <laughs> but either way, I, I'm just going to chalk up the devotion of the majority of this episode to recurring characters as just a kind of a luck of the draw and not any kind of uh, Lorne leaning on the scales. Oh, and I certainly I, think season three. I know, but I don't want to <laughs> believe it yet. But I'd really much rather have this than another episode that's filled with, like, four cops bits, which can go die in a fire at this point. I, no, but, like, okay, I, again, I don't think you can necessarily uh, attribute recurring characters to SNL. Like, you even think about things like SCTV, that's where we get Bob uh, and Doug you McGenzie. You attribute that, that saying Lauren Michaels, not SNL. Yeah, but that's, what, but, that's, but that's what I mean, generally. I mean, it's not, it's not just him. And I think that there is something, like, Stu has kind of mentioned, it's... It's, I guess you can see, you could probably characterize it as lazy, but it does two things. As we talked about in the last episode with Bobby, you kind of, you get like distilled Bobby versus Satan. And then you get the chance to kind of do this like funny world building. And it's the same thing as, as that stupid spoon Weston party. You got to throw some shit at the wall and see if it sticks. And I think they probably had a lot of these characters that even when they were doing their stage days they brought out as recurring characters because they're just kind of exploring comedy in a character. And I think there's something about that that, yeah, ticks both them being able to be more creative without having to think about a whole new character. And I don't think that's lazy. I think that's still a lot of creativity. And B, yeah, it does create a lot of, I think, um, audience loyalty in a way. Obviously, I think people who love Kids in the Hall love the Kid in the Hall, but then you're able to bring up like, like I love the Scissor Sisters or I love, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, Bobby. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. Totally I would not. not definitely not characterize it as lazy in any way. I've never heard someone say the expression shit on the wall and see if it sticks so many times <laughs> as you. And it's such a like horrifyingly visceral <laughs> turn of phrase. I can't think of another metaphor. <laughs> no, I know, but I think you're I think you're conflating too, and now I'm just like, wait, is our shit supposed to be sticky? What's the <laughs> metric here? <laughs> Get your bowels checked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, already on it. <laughs> I'd like to wrap up this episode for now. Uh, but Ooh. before we go, uh, let's choose our standout sketch and worst sketch based on how good or bad the episode was with a rating out of five. Uh, keep it short and sweet as usual. Um, for myself, I think that Plungers gets four out of five Plungers sold to me, you beautiful bastards. <laughs> um, but Bragging Aliens gets 1.5 big brains for me. Uh, easily one of the more dull aliens to visit our planet <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair. Lena, uh, what would you what would you okay so my favorite is a toss-up between uh capitalist plunger man and the chain letter but i'll give it to the chain letter because i 
love how Bruce is the suck-up employee who the boss gives head scratches to and then slips him 50 bucks for being <laughs> obedient. So I love uh, that they specify, he's like, here's five bucks American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, must sorry, have looked really bucks. weird on TV. <laughs> oh like, in American TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, three, three out of five chain letter misfortunes for that one. But I do have to give a shout out to the grocery lineup. Like I've watched that sketch a million times and the mix of that Kevin doing that sort of that proto Mr. Bean character and Mark's high school girl running up to declare, now he'll never know how much I love him. It's <laughs> <laughs> partly like the impatience of Kevin's character that I identify with and the utter uselessness of it all. So am I just looking for an outlet for my feelings? Maybe. <laughs> um, but worst sketch, I'll give it uh, to the aliens one. It's it's. I didn't think that uh, it's a fact was coming back, and this one was not very good. So one out of five big brains. I would think this is probably the worst of the it's a fact girls. I, I generally like it's a fact girl, and even I agree that this one was not a great one. But uh, but uh, anyways, uh, as far as my best sketch of the episode, I'm giving it to Spoonhead Party because never in a million years would I have guessed that I'd love a Weston sketch, but here we are. Um, mm-hmm. I loved everything Uh-oh. about this one, other than the kind of very beginning with Weston's gross face and gross all. Gross mouth his... syndrome. Yeah, um, <laughs> but if all of the Weston bits were as weird and involved with this, he would be one of my favorite characters because um, right. I, I I loved this one so much. Um, as for the worst sketch, uh, I I do admit that the it's a fat girl one was not great, but I I give it to the final cabbage head. Uh, yeah, of the triptych in this one, the living tableau in the background is weird and kind of fun. But otherwise, it's just Cabbage Head being Cabbage Head, which, as a rule, generally sucks, and this one's no different. So, uh, I, I let me see. Should I give it a number? Whatever. One one Cabbage <laughs> Head out of five. <laughs> that's that that's a uh, hot. You can do better. Than that. <laughs> you couldn't well, even come I, okay. up with an insult. <laughs> Okay, look, so, uh, I, in fact, I don't even know if it should get the one cabbage head in the end. I'm going to give it, oh, wait, shit, in my notes, I gave it two and a half cabbages heads. Um, cabbages heads. Cabbages cabbage, head. Cabbages headed, yes. It's like a, it's like a gen, uh, Governor attor- general. attorney's general, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, while I was at it, uh, Spoonhead Party should get four and a half uh, drunk Liza Minnelli's out of five. All right. Uh, I think this is an episode that has more impact as a whole than the sum of its parts. Like, I didn't really particularly love one skit or another. I would have to give the standout to Grocery Store, honestly, because it's so fun to see Kevin stretch his <laughs> physical comedy. And yeah. He's it's, stressed out and yell. It's, well, no, <laughs> but he does that all the time. But, like, and this is this character is a bit more cartoony than we see a lot of the time. Yeah. Like it's, it's somewhere between Mr. Bean and a cartoon character that I can't quite put my finger on, which is a little dumb, yeah. but, like, he doesn't usually commit to a scene. He often is forced to play a straight man, or if he has a character, it's a bit more, like, subdued in the background. So it was fun to see something so, so big. And the character was wacky, and it had that what-the-fuck factor that, like, really makes Kit stand out. So I yeah. would give it 3.5 well-timed single can falls, because if you guys remember, <laughs> that was incredible. It was like, he, <laughs> yeah. he shakes the cupboard, and everything falls except one can, which then hits him on the head. It was like, oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And the worst... This is going to surprise you guys, but that was not my least favorite It's a Fact Girl. Because there was only oh. one of them, so it didn't mm. really it didn't really kill me. But it still is. It was still the worst of this episode, so I give it two. You're resilient. <laughs> I give it two bad punchlines out of five. 
D- just quickly, just going back to the grocery store sketch. Like, so I, I looked it up, and this sketch would have come out uh, after, like, a couple of years after Mr. Bean had his first appearances. Like, oh. is this is this a full on like copycat or like was, like was it trying to spoof no, Mr. Bean? Because Mr. Mr. Bean is never like angry. He's always very very. Junky. I know, but that's why I was wondering if it was like a spoof of Mr. Bean, where it's like but, it's but like taking Mr. Bean and then like making him more weird and angry. And yeah, but bizarre. then we'd have to say that about like any silent physical comedy. Is be like, oh, is it just like an evil Mr. Bean? I'm like, yeah, kinda. <laughs> also, I in that in that roche, I think I've talked to one of you guys about this where I'm trying to explain I'm like you know that grocery store sketch where Kevin's just standing in line and then he's trying to distract people and he just pokes his nose and he goes whip whip <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he stops I don't know why I find that so funny there's nothing there's nothing you can explain about that that makes it good but Bear with it, me, damn it. <laughs> it weirded me out uh, that it was, like, so on the nose for, Mr. for like, a Mr. Bean without... Uh, so I was like, to, uh, it, it would have, if it is a spoof, it's such a rare instance where they kind of date themselves a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm, fair enough. But anyways. I disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's all we have to talk about uh, for the last <laughs> half hour. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> All right, that's it for Season 2, Episode 18. Uh, join us next week for Episode 19, which will be hosted by uh, Stu. Yeah, Stu! It's me. Stu! Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at KithandTellPod. Follow us on Facebook, and send us listener mail to contact at KithandTell.ca. Thank you for listening to Kith and Tell. Bye! 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 home. Eliza Manelli or Liza or Liza. I'm gonna cut everything. Right to Eliza, so no. But then he's gonna look insane, being like, "Trevor said it wrong." It'll be like, "No, I'm gonna cut that part." You can't cut me off.